love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart If love has done its part Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are glad you are listening today and hope you find words of healing, insight, and restoration. Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness. Really good to have you here with us. This is going to be our uh, healing hidden wounds segment that we bring to you every now and then periodically um, with my friend Lee Preston. Hey, Lee. Hey, how are Jonathan. You? I'm good. How are you? Good. Well, we are going to dive into a um, a very interesting topic, and I'm really looking forward to uh, this discussion, and I'm really praying that our listeners will gain a lot from it uh, because we are going to be talking about something that I promise you you will not hear on the radio airwaves, at least not in the way that we're going to be talking about it. And what we're going to be talking about is men attracted to children. And uh, this is the point at which I pass it off to you, Lee, and you just uh, kind of tell us, first of all, maybe where this idea to do this as a radio broadcast came from and then kind of where you want to guide the discussion. Because as we talked about off-air, there's a lot of different angles that you can come to this particular issue and so we really want to kind of focus on one for this particular broadcast. Well, thanks, Jonathan, and thanks for passing it off to me. I'll, I'll see if I can run with it a little bit here. Um, it's a hard topic, and that's why none of us really like talking about it. Uh, it's a hard topic because none of us like to think about children being hurt. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I guess uh, that God kind of laid this on my heart is because it's a topic that nobody does want to talk about. And yet there's a lot of hurting folks out there uh, who struggle in this area and want freedom but feel like they don't deserve it or that they're the last ones on the totem pole that might ever even receive help. And so that's kind of what prompted me to begin thinking about this. Yeah, it's really almost like if you look at the kind of the spectrum of um, uh, sexual deviancy or things that can go on along this uh continuum of sexual expression and sexual activity, as you kind of start crossing certain barriers, it's like um, typically those who struggle in this way, they're at the far, far, far end of, you know, as, as people say, okay, that's the farthest that you could possibly get down the spectrum of sexual perversion. And so rather than actually like maybe take a walk down there and see what's happening and maybe where some of this, these uh, struggles originate and maybe even seeing how to help, we'd rather just let them drop off the end and into some abyss of some sort of jail cell somewhere or you know lock them up, gas them, whatever, instead of actually trying to come alongside and understand and say, how can we actually provide help and, and 
see what God can do in terms of changing a life. Sure. Well, and as you and I have seen along working with men who have sexual addiction in general, uh, you know, most guys, uh, you know, yes, there's always fear and intrepidation of ever confessing what they've done. But most men can, at least in our groups where they know they can feel safe, they can start confessing that maybe they've had sex with prostitutes or that maybe they've had multiple sexual partners with women and as uh, you know in in their struggle and and yes then we kind of drop down a rung on the ladder and maybe it's uh, uh, at least they begin to feel okay about talking about having same sex attraction uh, sex with other men uh but yet you get down to the bottom of the rung which is men who begin telling you that they have struggles with attractions towards children and it's very hard for them to get to that place of ever being honest. And it's almost like they are that group of lepers that nobody ever wants to be around. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's kind of trying to help them to see that there's also hope and healing for them as well. Yeah, and so I, what I'm hoping in this broadcast will happen is we can maybe start to kind of explore, first of all, um, you know, what might be going on in the in the mind of those who are struggling with this. Um, maybe also some of the um, origins of maybe how a person can get kind of down this particular vein of sexual um, struggles. And then hopefully in having that discussion, those who are listening might be able to have a a better sense of uh, understanding and maybe even compassion towards those who are struggling in this way. I think the the initial first reaction, and I'm not even saying that this is an inappropriate first reaction that most people have, especially when they are a parent, is absolute terror and disgust. You know, because like you said, none of us like to think about um, a child being hurt in any way, exactly, especially sexually. And so, those of us who are parents, we're going to take it very personally this whole topic because not only do we think we would hate to think of any child being hurt, but our own children, it becomes a very different sort of um, discussion. Most definitely. And that's why I think our society has set up all kinds of uh, uh, checks and balances. We do background checks. We do all these things to make sure that there aren't abusive people around our children. And I think the important thing to, to, kind of at least begin looking at is that kind of shuts down the opportunity for a man who might be struggling in this area to ever come forward and to try to get help because maybe he hasn't acted out on anyone yet maybe he's only knows that he kind of has begun a fantasy life around this issue and he wants help but he feels unsafe and is coming forward to get help because of all the things that surround his sin. Mm-hmm. And I by no means am saying that there shouldn't be consequences for abuse behavior. I'm not. I'm by no means saying that. I'm just saying we want to make sure that men know that if you struggle in this area, that there's also help for you as well. Yeah, and that's the that's the key. And I can understand. And even even understanding that, I can see how that's going to be hard for some of our listeners to hear you say that. Um, while it is true that some of these um, you know, systems that have been set up to protect children are kind of as a side effect um, blocking or inhibiting men who struggle in this way from actually coming forward to get help. That's hard to hear, even if it's true, because 
a a, a parent is going to say, I don't really care. <laughs> you know, and that's and we're trying to break through some of that just to at least start a dialogue so that people can say, let's let's try to explore this on a um, on a uh, a calmer level, sure. on a level that doesn't get um, too e- emotionally ramped up. Because what what I hear you saying is we want to protect our children, but we also want to be able to provide a safe place and a safe method or manner in which these men can come forward without immediately thinking there are going to be legal repercussions for them just talking about their struggle. Exactly. In other words, they haven't acted out. They have not committed a crime, and yet so many men feel like, I can't even talk about the struggle because that will be um, seen as already a crime. Exactly. And as and as we've seen, shame is kind of the chain that binds all this stuff together. And if you're not ever able to at least confess this to somebody else and begin talking about it, then that shame just continues to fester and hold this thing in place. And so you got a bunch of struggling folks who may not have even acted out yet physically with someone who can't even confess to one another because of the consequences or because of the fear of consequences of what's mm-hmm. going to happen. So where do you think, um, let's talk a little bit about you know these particular men who struggle in this way. Where where do you think some of this originates? I mean, in terms of how does a, how does a man get to a point where his um, his sexuality and his sexual thoughts kind of become consumed with children rather than what we would consider kind of you know normal sexual thoughts about adults? Well, you know, and I am by no means the expert here, but from what I've seen, um, it's it. it and I hate to go back to childhood, but, I mean, we all have to start somewhere, right? And I think childhood is where this process begins to show itself because you've got a kid who's usually more immature than his same age counterparts. He feels emotionally immature. Im- immature physically or immature emotionally or in all ways? I would say in all ways. He feels emotionally immature, physically immature. He may feel uh, that he doesn't really compete with the boys his age. And, you know, coming from a background where I had same-sex attraction and while mine never led to children, it was more, it was interesting to go back and kind of look at that process you know, the object of one's envy begins to show itself at some point as the object of one's desire. So maybe in the same-sex world where it's homosexual sin, you have a little boy who envies that masculinity in his older Mm -hmm. friends and and his more masculine uh, friends. But whereas you have a, a, a man who's attracted to children in that immaturity, he began to be attracted to the innocence in those other children, or the likeness in those other children, and may have never grown out of that. Okay. And so, um, it's is, but then uh, what I'm wondering is, at what point does that become, uh, and probably something that our listeners are thinking is, okay, at what point does that become sexualized? Because, you know, I think in some ways, you know, uh, all children are going to, as we develop, whether we're, you know, seven, eight, nine, or 14, 15, 16, all children, we go through these stages in which we're, we're all kind of 
competing with one another. We're 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 envying and we're you know there's there's we're always looking to each other and thinking that everybody is looking to us. <laughs> and so some of this is part of just like the natural development process of us learning how to engage with others and and certainly it's never a perfect process and it's never always a healthy process. But what I'm wondering is for these individuals, for these men who who kind of latch on to that sort of maybe envy, at, at what point does that become associated then with their sexuality and it becomes about sexual fantasies with children? Well, I think, for example, if we take an example of this, you've got a uh, a boy who's uh, who's like I said, immature, kind of all the way around, and so he doesn't fit in with his his same age peers. Just doesn't fit in. Doesn't know how to. But yet, maybe he's babysitting, or he's got uh, a friend who's who he's staying over, and they've got younger siblings. And guess what? They're interested in hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. They're interested in connecting because what six or seven year old doesn't want to hang out with an eleven or twelve year old? You know, because it's like, hey, he's our big brother. He's our kind of this older friend who wants to hang out with us. And so you've got kind of a connection there. And so they begin to feel safer with that younger kid rather than those kids his own age. And then let's say there's a moment where they're wrestling or something, and then there's this sexual connection because this guy feels a little bit of an an arousal to this activity. Well, it locks it in at that point because when you begin to put sex together with acceptance and affirmation and then friendship, then it kind of all pulls it together at that point. Now, does a, I mean, does a child at that point um, begin to associate shame with that or do they even have an understanding of that? I mean, at what point in time, because obviously we've talked about this a lot before just through the radio program as well as in our ministry about shame being such a powerful component for kind of perpetuating secrecy, um, you know, perpetuating the, uh, the fundamental self condemnation. And so, you know, I would imagine that's not necessarily something that comes immediately, but when it does come, it probably solidifies the secrecy of that desire of those, inappropriate desires for younger children. Sure. And it may even, at least I would offer, it may even come immediately because here's this 12 or 13 year old kid who's got an erection because he's been wrestling with this seven year old little boy. And so maybe he's all of a sudden realizing, oh, wow, there's something wrong here. Why, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. But he doesn't know who to go talk to about that. And so he just kind of holds that secret. And he already feels like he doesn't compete with anybody his own age. And so he kind of, his the maturity level of, his, of who he is kind of links up with the maturity level of this younger kid. Well, and do you think, you know, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking, okay, every kid growing up um, has some sort of discovery of their sexuality and some sort of uh, engagement with it along the way, whether it be through masturbation, whether it be through pornography, whether it be through some sort of maybe traumatic experience, this sort of playing, all sorts of different scenarios in which a child grows up and has sort of a a self-discovery about the fact that they're a sexual being and then the feelings that are all associated with that. But what I'm wondering is what kind of, what flip, or switch kind of gets flipped in this particular individual that becomes 
almost completely obsessed with children rather than those who maybe kind of sort of grow out of because i i would even i would even venture to say that most young teenagers or teenagers in general um have all had i don't say all but most boys have had some sort of uh, sexual fantasy during their teenage years of either a younger or older girl or or even boy or what you know there's these again there's these kind of mental journeys that teenagers go on but generally speaking there's sort of a growing out of that as a kid reaches you know 19 20 25 years old and there's sort of a okay I'm an adult now and now there's just sort of this understanding and that now my sexuality is associated with other adults, with peers. And so what I'm wondering is, again, what switch kind of gets flipped in a in a guy who, when he hits 20 and 25, is n- never gets beyond the child obsession? Well, I think, actually, Jonathan, I would say it's what switch doesn't get flipped. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that switch in that little boy that that gets flipped as he's growing and he's beginning to mature and he begins to see his own body changing and he begins to see himself as more of a young man rather than in the situation where a man who might be attracted to children, I don't believe that that switch ever gets flipped. I think he still, in a lot of ways, sees himself as that younger kid. And so his attraction to other child, to other children seems to fit for him. So even even if his even if his body tells him in the mirror, I'm a man, I'm a full grown man, he has never grown up on the inside. Sure. Just like we know a perception is majorly affected by how we see ourselves. You know, a person with anorexia can look in the mirror and be skin and bones and see themselves as fat still. Well, this this individual may look in the mirror and yeah, he may see a physically masculine male body or a at least an older male body, but on the inside, he, he still feels very much uh, as a young kid. So then would you say that most people, most men who struggle with attraction to children um, almost feel like they're not doing anything wrong? I think they know because they realize the the obvious differences in size, et cetera, that they're doing something wrong, but I don't think that that changes the attraction. And so it's almost like a it's almost like a, an internal justification to themselves even if they know clearly that what they're doing is wrong because of how powerfully they feel inside as a young child so to speak on the inside they feel a compatibility on some level and and they can't stop the attraction even though they may know it's wrong they don't know how to stop that initial attraction and that and that feeling it's kind of like working with guys who have same sex attraction you know it's like you know, they honestly believe i feel attracted to this other man can't change that well yeah you can we got to get to the hurt that put it there in the first place it's the same thing for this guy i know it's different because i don't want anybody who <laughs> struggles with same sex attraction now to say oh well he's trying to compare us to, right, yeah. to guys who are, are child molesters and i'm not i'm just saying that the object of desire is largely dependent upon the brokenness in, in our heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that whole brokenness dictates how we see it. And we may know it's wrong, 
uh, even though society has begun to say that homosexuality is is not wrong, that it's a it's an accepted lifestyle, doesn't necessarily mean that the little boy at some point doesn't question that. I believe as just in this case is the same thing. I think the guy, the young guy, questions it. He knows he shouldn't be attracted to this seven or eight year old boy or girl. He he knows that, but he begins to 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 not know how to handle the attraction. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think there's any, is there a greater degree to which a man who struggles with this will be attracted to young boys or to young girls? Or is it just kind of a crapshoot and it's it's a 50-50 or does it, does that even matter? Well, I, in my opinion, you know, I think it does, it, it matters just because it meets, you know, it's, we're trying to look at the each individual brokenness of each, of each person here. I think if you've got a, a, an older person who's attracted to younger boys and it's the same sex issue, then I think there's a specific issue there of brokenness. If it's a guy who's who's attracted to a younger girl, uh, then you've got a, a, at least a developed understanding of his heterosexuality, but it's just still that he sees himself as that little boy who now is attracted to these young girls. Mm-hmm. So then I guess uh, I'd like us to take the rest of our time then to actually kind of switch gears and say, okay, how do you help? How do we help someone who is struggling in this way? How can the church help? How can um, family members help someone, first of all, to be able to provide an environment in which somebody who uh, may or may, you know, may be struggling in this way to talk about it? And the other thing I would say is in terms of help, is how can a person, you know, are there any sort of uh, signs, you know, that a person might be struggling in this way to where someone could begin a dialogue or sort of provide an atmosphere in which this person could get help? In other words, you know, we've got some things that, that we often tell wives to look for in husbands that may be having a pornography addiction or something like that. There's certain things that you can look for. Are there anything that that would be kind of telltale signs that somebody is struggling with um, attraction to children? Well, I think I would probably at this point steer away from trying to come up with signs because I would sure hate for somebody to start a witch hunt and, and accuse right. you know uh, lots of folks out there of being attracted to children. I think having an, an understanding, at least as the church, I think it's it's always our job to offer the love of Christ to whomever comes our way. And I think because we have a lot of fear about this, I mean, we'll talk in another segment about control, but we have a lot of fear and control about this thing. We want to make sure nobody in our church has this issue. We want to make sure that nobody in our church ever struggled with this issue. And so we do all these things to try to protect, which are all wonderful things, but I still say the ones I'm more concerned about are not the ones that would come to me and say, hey, I struggle with this and oh, I want accountability. I'd be more concerned with those who never come forward. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the church's responsibility and hopefully ours and, and, and people you know, who, who know Christ is to show the love of Christ to everyone and hope, hopefully have that open uh, love relationship enough to be able to say, I, I do struggle with this, and it's something I don't know how to stop. And do you think it's, it would be important, like, I would I would want to speak now to those who are involved in some sort of uh, uh, sexual purity ministry, whether it be a support group in your church, maybe uh, something that you're doing in your men's ministry at your church. 
I would say it would be important to take maybe some existing avenues in which you're inviting men to be honest about their sexual struggles to even verbalize just how uh, seriously you take confidentiality in those environments, just how seriously it is a safe place. Because sometimes just communicating those things clearly can be enough for a guy to kind of break through that barrier. Because, you know, one of the things that um, that we try to do in, in our groups and in our ministry is to actually verbalize, you know, no matter what you struggle with. And then actually give an example, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's struggling with, you know, attraction to children, whether it's heterosexual, whether it's affairs, strip clubs. We'll give a litany, just this list of of things so that there's the possibility that, boom, we just hit the thing that that guy's struggling with, and he takes a sigh of relief and goes, okay, whew, I can talk about that here. Now, whether he does or not, that's still his choice, but now he knows there's an actual place where he can open up should he be willing to do that. Most definitely. And I think that's an important part of the group is to help everyone there feel safe enough. I've even said before, you know, if there's someone here who suffers or experiences attraction to children, then it's okay to mention it here. We're not going to race out and call Child Protective Services on you. Just don't, you know, don't tell us anything that you don't want us to have to report. But we will report it because we do want to make sure children are safe. But we want it also to be a safe place for you to be able to talk and to share and to say, okay, this is what I, I struggle with. I had one gentleman tell me, I need your help because I know if I don't get help now, I will offend. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of guys we want to get to now. We also want to get to the ones who've already offended. Yeah. But we want to get to the guys and give the guys hope who say, I know me and I don't want to do this. Well, and the good news, the good news that we want to leave our listeners with is that no matter what the sexual brokenness, there's always hope because God is a God of hope and Amen. he's made a way for us in Christ to be whole to be complete, to be, uh, you know, godly sexual men. And so, um, you know, I want our listeners to know that if you, if anything inside of you is gone, I, I need a place to be able to talk about this. I need a place to be able to vent. Please contact us because we do not want you to remain silent or remain in the dark because we all know that sin only grows in the dark. Amen. And so please contact us today. We want to be able to help you and uh, get you plugged into the right place. We are glad you joined us today, and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener-supported, and all services are provided on a donation basis. If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. Now let it rain in my life and my heart. Your love has done its part. Now let it rain.